Did you know about one in nine people over age 65 have Alzheimer's disease? The AHEAD study is looking for people ages 55 to 80 to join the National Institutes of Health-funded AHEAD study. The AHEAD study aims to prevent Alzheimer's disease before symptoms appear. Discovering a treatment that targets brain changes early means doctors may one day prevent memory loss. Help us get ahead of Alzheimer's. Visit aheadstudy.org. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 105. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation. Dave, how you doing? Happy Friday, Alex. Uh, did you uh, you slept fast after watching the last six minutes of that uh, Gonzaga-UCLA game? There were a couple of, and once again, I don't watch a lot of basketball throughout the year. I'll watch during tournament time. There have been a, a couple of fantastic games mm-hmm. yesterday uh, there, and uh, I watched the last, I don't know what, six minutes or so of that UCLA-Gonzaga game, and and uh, boy, what, what, what a turn of events that was there, but uh here we are, uh, let's see, second week of March Madness and uh, first full week of free agency in the books and things starting to, you know, pro days starting to wind down here. So, but we still managed to have uh, quite a bit to talk about today. And uh, we're going to play a couple of games today, a couple, couple of games related to Uncle Dave. All right. You're our favorite here. Yeah. UCLA saying goodbye to the March Madness tournament and Terrell Edmonds saying goodbye to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so that's the big news of the day yesterday. Edmonds tweeting out on Thursday morning saying, quote, "Uh, thank you, Pittsburgh, for making my dreams come to reality. You will forever be a part of me and my journey. I'm thankful for all my coaches, teammates and every fan supporting Uh, to my brothers. You all know how we're rocking. It's going to be love until the wheels fall off. And so that seems to be Edmonds goodbye. No official word on what team he's signing with or if this is not or I I guess in theory, he may not have signed with the team yet, but just decided I don't want to come back to Pittsburgh for whatever reason. So regardless of of all those details, it seems like Edmonds is not going to be a stealer in 2023. Yep, that's the way it's looking. And you sit on Twitter the rest of the day waiting for (laughs) <laughs> find out where he's going <laughs> and, and, and the shoe never fall, uh, fell yesterday there. So maybe we'll, uh, maybe it was pending a physical or so, I don't know, something like that. Maybe we'll find out today, but, uh, uh, based, uh, you know, most definitely on how he worded that, uh, it, it, it doesn't seem like he's going to be back, uh, now at this point. So we'll sit and wait where he find out where he does wind up and, yeah, I know. I know it's it, it, it it's trendy to kind of kick player, you know, slam the door on them as they as they go out there and kick them a couple of times as some of these guys walk out the door there. And yeah, I think we've been pretty open about our thoughts about Terrell Edmonds since since day one. You know, uh, he is a guy that that obviously nobody's going to regard as you know top, you know, ten, twelve, fifteen uh, strong safety in the league. 
but uh, I, I, you know, he made improvements. I, I think every season that he played and uh, quite honestly, I think last year was probably his best, you know, season. Now, uh, where is the splash at? That's, that's going to be the biggest knock on him, but for what the Steelers asked him and wanted him to do, I thought he did it well uh, outside of once again, creating, you know, creating turnovers. Uh, now he got where he was making a key play. I don't know. Once every, every other you know, game or two games, as far as maybe a tackle for a loss or, or a big hit or third down or something like that. But uh, the biggest knock on, on him, I think uh, as he, you know, presumably leaves uh, Pittsburgh uh, is the fact that, you know, he, he just isn't a playmaker, uh, big time, you know, uh, producer in the stat category. Sure. That's certainly one thing that I think has depressed his market over the past two off seasons. But as, as you kind of alluded to, he had a role, a very specific role in this defense is that classic box strong safety. And he did that role well. And I thought 2022 was his best year, maybe not as statistically gaudy as some some past years because he had a couple of picks in in 21 didn't in 22 but I thought the actual tape was better the tackling was a lot better and I think he did make a couple plays in coverage he was never somebody that was really instinctual but just based on you know with reps and experience and time you kind of learn a thing or two and you play a bit faster play to that time speed that he had so you know not uh the end of the world not irreplaceable but somebody that still has to be replaced and I just think I mentioned this before with Edmonds from an availability standpoint, a durability standpoint, this guy was available. Very few players have played the number of snaps that Edmonds has over the past five seasons. So you're trying to replace a consistently 1,000 snap a year kind of dude, and that's not easy to do. There was a a comfort in knowing that, okay, Edmonds is going to be there. He's going to do his job. We don't have a whole lot to to worry about there. So that's the thing to replace there. It was just that guy that was a pretty constant, steady presence, although he was never... A great polarity certainly had improved. Yeah, look, and you, you know, you've got the continuity factor between him and Minka, right? right. The, the right hand knowing what the left hand doing, uh, the, those kind of things there. So now you're going to have to, to, to move past that. Look, it's not the end of the world. It's, oh no, there goes the Steelers' chances uh, of winning. You know, it, it's not that kind of move, and it never has been uh, that with him. But once again, like you said, he deep. You want to talk about a guy that stayed available to you, to, to the team. It wasn't up until what was it? Uh, the season before last that he missed his first game. Right. And mm-hmm. wasn't that because of COVID or something like that. And then, I mean, he hasn't missed many, you know, he, he went his first, I don't know what three, three and a half seasons or something like that without even uh, missing a game. Yeah. He missed, I think one or two in 2022. So, uh, you know, that the kind of Iron Man streak was ending, but still overall remarkably durable and available and somebody that you could count on. And, and, and yeah, you, you lose Cam Sutton, you lose Terrell Edmonds, you're losing two starters in that secondary, uh, even at, you know, at the linebacker room, a, a trusted guy in Robert Spillane, it's a whole new linebacker room. So from that continuity standpoint, from the trust standpoint, from the, you know, we got guys who know the system, there's going to be a challenge here. There's going to be some growing pains there. And again, those are things that can and will be overcome, um, but it's not going to be instant. And so I think when you, it's not just losing Edmonds in a vacuum, but losing him and losing Sutton, all these guys that have that experience and time and really just everybody knows what's going on. As you said, right hand knows what the left hand is doing. I think that stacks up and that's going to be an underrated 
issue and unintended consequence of losing some of these guys. And look, uh, you know, I, I think Kay, I'm glad they re-signed Casey, obviously. Uh, uh, it just, to me, it would have been, it would have been, you know, kind of the icing on the cake and, and probably, you know, maybe still not prevented them from drafting a safety, even, even had they re-signed Edmonds. But I, it, to me, my hope going into this off season was to see at least one more uh, season with uh, Casey and Edmonds uh, as being, you know, kind of specific package players in that defense. Yeah, that would have been ideal, I think, to bring Edmonds back and have him continue that role as that starting strong safety, live in the box. Again, 35% of his snaps were in the box last year, really kind of became a dime linebacker when Casey uh, returned after the bye. Uh, But now the question is, where does this team go from here? Because the options to replace Edmonds, again, understanding that he's, you know, not irreplaceable, even even close to that. I think that role that he occupies is pretty easy to find. It's not particularly unique, but how do you replace it? Because the free agency pool doesn't look great. The draft class does not look great. How do you think Pittsburgh approaches things? Well, I think you wrote about one this morning, didn't you? I did with Taylor Rapp, who I think makes the most amount of sense. Not that he's the you know literal only name, um, but I think from the veteran pool, Rapp is 25. It still has youth and experience similar to Edmonds. He's a hitter. He can play strong safety, not the overall athletes that Edmonds is in, in terms of their testing, although Edmonds always played a bit slower on tape. But I think, you know, Rapp's a guy that would fit well. The only question is, does he maybe want too much? Because he's already visited a couple teams. He had a visit with Cincinnati. He went to New England. No deals there. Is he asking for too much money just based on a safety market that's typically, you know, underwhelming when it comes to contracts? Do you remember what kind of uh, interest, if any, they had in him in the pre-draft process? Did, did you look that? Uh, I, I don't know if I did or not. He was, I'm trying to think what year he was coming out. See, 2019 class. I just forget. Yeah, it was 2019. Let me see if I can find that. Um, but he just has that, you know, box safety, really physical guy. I remember him out of Washington. I mean, right. he was a hitter. He was a hitter um, big time for sure. So I see a pre-draft visit here. I'm not seeing one. I'd have to go back and maybe take some more time to see at pro days, but okay. nothing, no obvious uh, ties there. Okay. All right. But and, uh, him aside, and, yeah, I mean, what else is there? What I mean, for agency, there's a couple other options. Ronnie Harrison, a low-level guy, but the draft is, you know, Brian Branch is going to be the big name talked about for 17. Does Edmonds leaving increase those odds of Branch being the guy at 17? Uh, I don't think you can discount it, especially when we'll we get into this uh, in this show talking about the the, uh, the pro day talk and and who was spotted where and uh, uh, the Steers off you know expected sent a large group of people to to Alabama to that pro day and one of those people uh was uh Grady Brown and uh helped uh run the defensive backs through their uh uh, uh pro day drills and all like that so you know, you start connecting the dots and uh you know obviously a big powerhouse school like like that and you you send in a lot of people there and you had the position coach uh there and not only the position coach there but helping run it through the drills so uh i don't think you can you can totally discount uh i you know there's a there's several guys in the uh in this class that i think the Steelers will have interest in that 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 because we're the Steelers pick 17 and 32 <laughs> You kind of wonder is 17 too high or is 32 too late or are they perfect? Mm-hmm. You, you know, uh, 
where, where, where do some of these guys belong? You know, and that's where I'm, I've got a nice kind of list. I think built of guys that I think could fit in either one of those spots, 17 or 32, but I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling with the fact is, is, can this indeed be a 17 guy, a justified 17 guy, you know? Yeah, it's a fair point, but some of sometimes I wonder, you know, it's not that big of a difference. If we were talking 50 versus 67, you kind of be like, he can go to 50, he can go to 67. So if a guy can go at 32, why can't he go at 17? You know, I know there's probably a slight difference there because it's the first round, it's the face of your class, but I don't know. It's it's not that big of a gap. With, with Branch, the question I've had with him is just where exactly does he fit? He still seems a bit light, you know, buck 90 to be that strong safety type, but I know that Bama had him close to the line of scrimmage quite a bit and he's physical and I think just plays bigger than his size overall and can play slot corner and fill some of those needs. So um, I think certainly he'll be in consideration. There's also the other safety there, Jordan Battle, that's kind of more of that classic safety, you know, body type um, whose tape I thought was kind of frustrating, but a guy that has some potential. Yeah. And the, 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 the thing about branch is I, I, I think he gives you more in cut. Co- he definitely gives you more in coverage. But do you sacrifice the uh, the box, you know, the, the the against the run play? Yeah, and I'll have to dive into that some more. And I know that people are asking, why can't DeMonte Casey just be the strong safety? Of course, resigned to that two year deal and he's physical and he's, again, kind of that Mike Hilton mold of, you know, aggressive and, and plays bigger than his frame. I just can't see Casey as the every down 1000 snap starting strong safety is going to live in the box and. Again, I know he, he's, a, he's a pretty physical kind of alpha dude, but I just don't think the body type at his frame plays well to, to be in that strong safety role full time. Okay. Are they going to draft a safety, Alex? Oh, yeah, they're going. I, think, I mean, okay. if they have to at this point, even if they go I sign agree. a Taylor Rapp or you know, Ronnie Harrison or whoever, um, I, I just even, don't think Even if can... they had re-signed Edmonds, right? Unless it was like a three-year whatever, you know. Well, I think maybe you could have gotten away with it if it's a two-year deal. Casey's on a two-year deal. I mean, I think you could probably work around that enough. If you do want to mention in terms of internal options, one name to consider, and he's not going to start, obviously, but Elijah Riley's always kind of intrigued me for some versatility. There's some Andy Wido connections there. He played a little bit last year, so should know it at least in terms of internal guys. I think Elijah Riley's the guy that's going to try to compete for a spot in the summer. Yeah, and he's also a converted uh, one-time cornerback too, right? Right, yeah. So just something to think about. Obviously, there's Trey Norwood. He's not a strong safety. Miles Killebrew is a special teamer, so there isn't a whole lot of other options. You know, Casey, Casey ideally is that sixth defensive back, that dime back who's going to replace the versatility that Cam Sutton brought. That's the role I want Casey to be in, somebody that can play the post and rotate with Minka, kind of work all over. That's where I think he should be ideally on third down, obvious pass situations, not as this team's starting strong safety as a 185 pound, 30 year old strong safety, just not going to be the best role for him. And look, uh, there's, there's, you know, even though this class doesn't seem overly deep at, you know, kind of that specific uh, box type strong safety uh, position there. There are a couple of names in this draft, or one of these guys they might go see, or they're more than likely to go see today, right? And uh, Jair Brown out of uh, out of Penn State. Yeah, he's a guy with uh, colorful production. I think what's the stat on him? He I think led all DBs in interceptions two years ago, and led all DBs in sacks this past year with four and a half. Now the testing was really underwhelming, and so hopefully he can have a good workout. So 
Yeah, I mean, there are names in this class. Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M is, you know, guy that was pretty versatile. I think he's best as a strong safety type. Sidney Brown lacks that size, but has the feistiness and aggressiveness and versatility to play some slot corner, play safety. Uh, JL Skinner is kind of that lanky, you know, again, I think hitter box type from Boise State. So there are some names. But don't sleep on. on Anthony Johnson Jr. out of Iowa State yeah. either. No, as you talked about, for sure. Um, I I still don't know where to draft that guy, though. I still don't know. Is it fourth fourth round is kind of what's in my head right now. Anywhere from fourth to six. <laughs> well, I don't got. They don't have the fifth and the sixth, so you got to say fourth. Yeah, uh, and and look, I mean, they they might like him that much, you know. Yeah, all it takes is you know who cares what the overall you know mock draft say or the overall grade says. If you like the guy, then you like the guy, and you take him. So. Of course, do you have a fourth round pick that you just slot in there as your starting strong safety? That's that's asking you know potentially a lot. Yeah, true, true. So, uh, and Edmonds himself is somebody that can be replaced, but the question of who and how do you replace him? I think when you put that in actual you know brass tacks, becomes a little difficult. All right, so moving past uh, uh, the Edmonds news. Yeah, one other minor piece of Steelers for agency news. Trent Scott will not be returning to the Pittsburgh oh, Steelers. Oh, damn it. We're all, we're all sad about that. A moment of silence here for Trent Scott. Going to the Washington Commanders on a, I assume, one-year deal. I, I just am kind of assuming that's what the contract will be, be, but I guess I don't know that for sure. So Trent Scott, who barely played last year, some tackle-eligible work, one snap at right tackle, replacing Chukuma Core for has that Pat Meyer connection. Um, he is officially gone, which really leaves Pittsburgh, which is their two offensive tackles right now. Yeah, uh, it's been it, it's been the elephant in the room or the elephant not in the room for 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 all offseason here. And now, I mean, you're, you're, you're getting the Trent Scott's of the world uh, getting signed uh, less than two weeks before free eight. I mean, that that's. That's where this, I went through the entire list. I uh, pulled it off of uh, the NFL communications site just to make sure that I was looking at all the available tackles and, you know, did the Google search of who's, who's already signed and all. I mean, you are, you're down at the bottom of the barrel. I mean, you, you really are at the, uh, the bottom of the barrel now, you know, the Cam Irving, you know, Cam Irving looks good now, you know. Uh, as a possibility. And you've obviously mentioned uh, the link back to, back to Pat Meyer and all mm-hmm. like that. So uh, they're, I mean, they're, they've got to add a tackle before the draft, right? At least one, if not two, they got to get yeah. some bodies in that room. A veteran with some versatility to me is a must and who that guy will be. There's probably a lot of ways you could go. Matt Pryor from Indy has the size and versatility, uh, I mentioned Irving, Chris Hubbard. You can throw out basically any of those names. They're, they're sort of dime a dozen, but you got to add somebody. And then, of course, you're going to be looking pretty strongly at, at drafting somebody as well. Right. If there was if there if there was any any question about this team potentially drafting a tackle uh, in the first, really, I would say two picks, you know, and maybe maybe lengthen it to three. But uh, if there was any question heading into free agency about that, I I I think uh, those que- it's going to happen now. You know, 
All right, so let's talk tackles because the Steelers have been pr- uh, very busy this pro day week, and so as offensive line coach Pat Meyer. And so things started, um, they started earlier in the week, but in terms of the tackles, uh, you were at Georgia's pro day, but then since we last spoke, Ohio State held their pro day. No surprise to Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan was there, but also uh, offensive line coach Pat Meyer. And the night before the Ohio State pro day, Saw a video of Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, Dan Rooney Jr. taking all the top Buckeyes offensive linemen out to dinner. Highlighted by offensive tackles, Paris Johnson and Day One Jones. Now, Johnson has no chance to be there at 17. I'm going to pull that card uh, right off the top. Day One Jones is the name I'm watching right now, just given all the connections there. Although, I think there's a conversation for us to have about our thoughts on Day One Jones and maybe some concerns we're having. Alex, let's play a game. <laughs> I think it's what the guy from Saw said, so I'm a little nervous about how this is going to go. Uh, let's play a game of is Dave overreacting? It's a two-part game. Is Dave overreacting? And it's talk Dave off. Uh, can you talk Dave off the ledge? Uh, T- Tiff has the home version of this game. Uh, I assume, uh, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. She's, <laughs> ma- she's actually mastered it. She's very good at it. Okay. Uh, uh, we're going to see how good you are in this game. Uh, all right. Uh, this really Dave, has salt. Like you're on a tricycle right now. Though. This has big time vibes. <laughs> you're giving me Dave. Look, I've done, right. I've done a lot of thinking about this and that's, that's probably dangerous. Uh, as we get a, I, I I'm with you on, uh, uh, the further you get into this, you know, class and, and, uh, about this tackle class and start going down the list and all like that. Uh, I I'm with you with, uh, the Paris Johnson, uh, if he if he's there at seventeen, somebody better pull a hammy, uh, get getting that <laughs> card card up there because I I just uh, he seems like he's really the cream him 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 and potentially uh, uh, Skaronsky seem like like really the cream of the crop along with then you know maybe Broderick Jones who I want to have another conversation about here maybe in a minute here but uh, Daywan uh, Jones out of Ohio State. Uh, I've I've gone all over the place with him with my initial thoughts to diving into the tape and and seeing you know what a beast he is especially against the run and then I I, I, I go back to the the size issue with him and the right tackle really capable only to this point uh, right now. And then you go from the senior ball where it looked like he started off and had a, a good first day or whatnot, then just basically vanished, uh, pulled out for, for the rest of it. And then you get to the combine kind of, okay, what, what, you know, what's going to happen at the combine here? Uh, he ran, he did his 40. Uh, that was all he did outside of drills. Uh, but even the drills that looked like he was, I got to get the hell out of here. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of aspect of those drills and you say, okay, no, no no, no big deal here. Uh, we'll, we'll see him at his pro day. You get to his pro day. And I think one red flag here initially was him not weighing in. And then supposedly to hear him talk, Mike Tomlin chirped him up about that. Now, is that Mike Tomlin playing? Is that Mike Tomlin playing, but being serious? Uh, what's, what, what's, what you know? What level of chirping is that, and how much can you read into that? I don't know, but but for a guy his size that you already can visibly see is a big guy, a guy that's that that's you know 
let's face it, has has struggled a little bit with his weight. I think um, made it a goal last season or, or something to drop about 10, 12, 15 pounds, whatever it was like in that. But to get to your pro day now, uh, after everything that has happened so far throughout this pre-draft process and decide not to get on the scale and then follow it up with not doing any drills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, they're, 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 we, we look at this as what we are, and that's outsiders. There's only so much information that we have on the outside. We can only take the tape that we have as face value. We can only take the information. You know, maybe as an agent just said unequivocally, you've done enough, don't do any more. Uh, but at some point, I think the, you know, and he, I think he even said, you know, I, 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 there's no need for me to do this. And, and, but to me, looking at him as a prospect, and if I were, and once again, I don't know the, the level of information. Maybe he had a hammy, you know, maybe something bothered him. I don't know. Uh, I would have looked at this as an opportunity uh, since the combine to come out here and say, I want to make a statement, man. I want to show these guys that I've, I've dropped, you know, a few more pounds here. I want to show them, uh, that, that I, that I can move better. I want to go through, I want to do all the stuff. I want to compete. You know, I want to show them that I'm want to compete. I want to try to improve whatever, whatever my draft stock see, uh, appears to be. I want to do that. Uh, I came, I came, came away from his pro day now thinking, my Lord, I, I don't, I don't know if I, I, I would be on board with signing off on this guy being the 17th overall pick. I hear you. And, and I'm with you basically lockstep. And it's not about just one thing. It's the combination. Right. Uh, you go to the senior bowl, you have the first day and then you stop and you feel like that's good enough. And, and there was reported to be an injury, but I think the sense of the senior bowl was he just, you know, one of those guys that said, I had one good day of practice. I showed what I felt like I need to show. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, put the brakes on the, the, the combine, you know, I guess he did go through most of the things, didn't go through some of the testing, but I don't need to see the guy do the vert. Like I, you know, it's not that critical to me. He went through drills. So you know, okay, fair enough. But then at the pro day, entire NFL watching you and you do, you do nothing there. You don't even weigh in. And the question is, okay, why aren't you weighing in? If you were 365, you probably are weighing in to show scouts and teams that, okay, I, I got my weight down. Um, he struggled with that. At the senior bowl, he was 375. He had told our Ross McCorkle he wanted to be 360 for the combine. He made the combine at 374. So he dropped one pound, not getting his weight down. And if he's not weighing in at his pro day, I'm guessing he didn't continue to drop weight. He probably added or sustained, and that's a concern. And especially whenever you stand next to a Paris Johnson, who we just talked about, almost certainly going to be the first tackle drafted in this year's class. He did everything. He went through drills. He weighed in. He had a full workout. And you compare that to Jones, who's a you know lesser prospect, will go after Paris Johnson. He doesn't compete. That's a, a concern. That's a red flag for me. So again, it's not just about one thing. It's the it's the totality of the whole pre-draft process. You just wonder about the weight, the effort, the conditioning. And, you know, Jones could be a really good player. It could go really well, or it could go, I think, really poorly in the NFL. I don't know which way his career is going to go. And that's a lot of risk to take on with one of your top picks. And then you start wondering, you know, how, how, how maybe, how coddled maybe was this kid at uh, Ohio State? Uh, and is this a fact of, 
because he is such a uh, a planet theory big dude like this. You know, uh, did he win because because of the size? You know, uh, uh, and how is this going to translate? to the NFL level where you're, where you're going against the best of the best and you're asked to play uh, seven, sometimes even 80 or 90 snaps in a game. Uh, how's the conditioning going to be? Cause look, I, and, and we, we kind of chatted into direct messages on, on Twitter there. If they held, if, if Mike Tomlin held his annual uh, Latrobe conditioning run right now, he doesn't finish it. I don't probably think. not. Yeah, I mean, probably not. And so, yeah, that, that's a that's a big concern. I mean, he was asked about why he didn't weigh in and he just said no reason, just didn't want to, didn't need to. And, you know, again, if his weight was down, if he was losing weight in good shape for the pro day, he would have weighed in. And so the fact that he's not to me is actually pretty, pretty big red flag. Uh, so, OK, let's play the game. How, how bad is is Uncle Dave overreacting? And and can, can you talk Dave off the ledge any here? How, how would you go about? addressing both of those. Yeah, I don't think it's an overreaction. I think I have the, the same red flags you do. I mean, you know, does that doom him for NFL success? Not necessarily. You think about Orlando Brown Jr., his terrible combine workouts. And now he went through some of that stuff and did all the testing. The numbers were just historically bad. And sometimes these guys are just football players and they get the job done out there on Saturdays and Sundays. So I don't want to say that he can't succeed in the NFL. I just think, you know, there's a boom bust component to it. Are you always going to be worried about this guy's weight and putting in the time, the effort, doing the detailed type work to, to really be the best player that he can be. Or as you kind of mentioned, is he going to be somebody that always gets by on his size and length and just that kind of freakish body type that he has that that's so unique that can allow you to dominate uh, in college football. So I just don't know what kind of guy I'm getting. And that's my concern. Mine as well, too. Look, he might become the best thing, you know, the best big tackle in the NFL, sure. you know, uh, uh, in a, in a while here, I just, once again, looking at this process and then, you know, just, just gauging everything. I, I came out of the pro day the other day with wondering, Oh man. And, you know, just really, really wondering if I want to tie my first round draft pick to this. I mean, obviously you get, you know, and even then, you know, at, 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 let's say you took him at 32. Uh, it, it, it feels Mike Adam Adams ish mm -hmm. a bit, you know? Yeah. He was another big Ohio state tackle that, you know, just didn't really put it all together. And, and listen, from what I've read, I mean, Jones seems to be a good guy, like a good person. I'm trying to impugn his character, but just these things I don't like to see, you know, the senior bowls just you know, barely working the combine doing some limited stuff and maybe not having a great, uh, you know, workout. And then at the senior at the pro day, I mean, everybody's showing up to, to watch you work. I mean, that's the whole point of the pro day. And you sit it out while your teammates all work around you. And I just, it just kind of gives me a bad feeling. I agree. Uh, if you were to guess right now, will Daywan Jones be the Steelers' 17th overall selection in the 2023 NFL draft? Well, he was just in my last mock draft. That was right prior to the pro day. Um, he checks those boxes. He has the size that Pittsburgh seems to be gravitating towards. I just don't know how they're going to interpret this this workout. I think they're probably not thrilled to send their O-line coach and Tomlin and make that trip, not just for Jones. Obviously, Ohio State has a ton of prospects, but to go there to watch Jones do nothing probably didn't sit too well with them. So it's a good question. I don't know for sure. 
Um, I'm kind of torn on what I think they think about Daywan Jones. What do you think? How, how much can you read into Mike Tomlin, quote unquote, chirping him up for not getting on the scale? Well, I think it was probably a joke, but all good jokes have a kernel of truth to them. And I'm sure Tomlin would have liked to see Jones weigh in. I think it's a number they probably wanted to to see where he was at, considering you know, weight's always kind of going to be a thing with day one Jones. So probably an issue again, because what are you hiding? If you're not weighing in, you're hiding something. If he was three, if he was three, 360 pounds, like he wanted to be, he'd be weighing in. He'd be sprinting to that line to say, I want to weigh in. I'm going to show you guys my weight's down. I've committed. I've lost the weight that I, I said I would lose. And, and we're all good here. Um, so what's his weight? And he, even if he was the same, he'd probably still, still probably weigh in just to say that I'm the same. I'm not, I'm not ballooning up. So, you know, is he 380 right now? 385. It, it, it's the fact that he's not weighing in says I have something to hide that I don't want scouts and teams to know. And then there's the factor of a guy that size, you know, what, what's been the history of, of, of ta- tackles in the NFL that big. I mean, there aren't a lot of guys in general. Trent Brown is the one that comes to mind. And, and he is kind of a, a bumpy... monster. And he's still yeah. playing at how old? What is he? Four, he's uh, listed, I listed, I think, 380, but who knows what his weight is. He's a huge guy. Uh, but, I mean, how old is he? He's around 30, I would say. Maybe maybe older than that at this point. I mean, he's played in the league for a while. He's had some. 34. Oh, wow. 34. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so that's kind of the guy. But he's who, like, you know, at least on. I mean, I don't know what what his true weight is, three twenty ish or whatnot. No, he's bigger than that. I mean, he what did he come out as? I mean, you know, Brown is going to be the comp. Um, when he came out, he was three fifty five. I bet you his weight's up. He's probably like three seventy if I had okay. to guess. But so he, that's going to be like the comp. He move. He can move though too. Still, even at his age, I mean, that guy just railroads people. You know. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, again, just trying to find the body type of, of that really big tackle. I mean, again, in Pittsburgh's history, you know, you've had recent names in Mike Adams, Zach Banner, Max Starks. Uh, those kind of guys have come and gone through Pittsburgh before. And what is what kind of stress is that put on the knees and, you know, just all the little byproduct. And once again, look, I'm not I'm not taking away. I'm not saying that this guy won't be, uh, you know, a premier starting t- tackle in the NFL. I'm just looking at it as far as, you know, boxes I would check and flags that I would put on this uh, kid at this point. Yeah. And again, this just comes down to to comparing prospects. You know, do you like this guy or this guy? And these things can be the tiebreaker. Darnell Wright, his weight's been better. He tested better. I think he's going to, I don't know if they've not had their pro day yet, but we'll see if he goes through his whole pro day workout. He had a really good workout at the combine. So if you're trying to just to say, do we want A or B? And if B doesn't have the weight concerns and went through everything, you feel more comfortable with that pick, you may go with a guy like Darnell Wright over a guy like Daywan Jones, who also still has that, you know, freakish size. Okay. All right. That's the conversation I wanted to have about him. About Broderick uh Jones. Uh refresh my memory. Uh Pat Meyer was not at that pro day, right? Uh, let me double check Georgia. I don't believe so. At least we did not spot him. The names that we have for Georgia's Tomlin, Khan, Terrell Austin, and Danny Smith, to my knowledge, no Pat Meyer. Okay. I believe that's still up on, uh, on ESPN. So uh, by the weekend, we probably need to scour that once again, to see if we can find Pat Meyer there. How big, how big a deal would it be if, if indeed Pat Meyer was not at that pro day? 
Not really a big deal. For me, the rule of thumb, and again, I understand we're kind of in a bit of a gray area with Khan and Weidel in their first full draft, but my criteria is first round picks, only Tomlin and or GM has to be there. The positional coach does not, does not have to be there necessarily. Second round, third round, that's where I look towards where the positional coaches are going. So for example, at Pitts Pro Day last year, Mike Sullivan was not there, believe it or not. He was at Nevada to watch Carson Strong. Uh, it was Tomlin and Con and or Tomlin and Colbert, I should say, that were at that pit pro day. Um, so those types of things, I, I don't the positional coach not being there is not, not a deal breaker to me. Okay, and but but we don't know that. Uh, at least we don't have it documented that Pat Meyer was elsewhere on that Georgia pro day. That's a good question. Correct. I don't have Pat Meyer listed anywhere on that March fifteenth. Georgia workout. He was at uh, he was in Northwestern the day before, whatever that's worth to watch Skaronsky. Okay. And maybe his flight got hung up or something. Maybe he was supposed to be there, you know? Yeah. Now he was at, again, Ohio State. And where else was he at? We just saw him at Alabama yesterday to watch some of their uh, top offensive linemen. And I think I mentioned this on the show the other day or, or live stream that we did. He, uh, the, you know, the only thing about Broderick is the fact that you know, uh, the, 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 the starts, you know, the total, the total amount of games played slash starts, but you can get right. past that, you know, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, the question is, will he get past the first 16 picks? Will he get the, the 17? Um, and if you have, if you have, if you have concerns about Skaronsky, if teams have, you know, uh, in other words, it's, it's conceivable that teams would have Broderick Jones ahead of Skaronsky. Sure. I I think Broderick Jones gets taken before Skaronsky. I think most teams view Skaronsky as a guard. I think Pittsburgh probably will do the same. I think for Pittsburgh, I mean, is, is, if Skaronsky is going to be their tackle, how can your tackle be smaller than the guards that you have? I think that's just a weird way to build your roster, and they want these big people. So I don't know. I, I know that Meyer was at that, that Northwestern Pro Day, so there's obviously some interest there, but I don't think Skaronsky is seriously in play. Okay. I uh, I would agree with you. I And, and regardless... I, I think there's a chance all three of those guys might be off the board at 17. Sure, there is a chance. Uh, absolutely. So from the pro day circuit, uh, where do you want to kind of pivot to other than just uh, I'm really having fun of us just being total psychotic degenerates looking up pro days. <laughs> and literally, we were, we'll talk about Wisconsin here in a second. Dave and I, without communicating with each other, we're watching the same random local Wisconsin news station clip to find a certain stealer we'll talk about in a moment. And and basically had it at the same time without telling each other what we're doing. So like we're just we're just insane. And I'm I'm very glad that I know you to make me feel a bit better about my psychotic steel of scouting behavior. Yeah, but I you're a hell to compete against because you memorize clothing yes. and uh, shoes. And, it's important. It helps. Uh, uh, I have to I have to pedal. I have to pedal three times faster <laughs> than, than, than you do to keep up in the race there. But I am very proud of my work so far this offseason. Let's go back to Alabama. Okay. Uh, uh, Alex, uh, talking about these tackles and who, A, A, were you surprised Pat Meyer was at that pro day? I'm not going to say surprised, but I don't know if I was like expecting it the way that I was expecting Tomlin and Khan to be there. Alabama doesn't have a you know top first round pick offensive lineman. And sometimes these positional coaches go to kind of where Tomlin and Khan aren't, but I'll just say they had a 
not again, Bama is like the biggest pro day on the entire calendar, but Pittsburgh had a very heavy presence there yesterday. All right. And here's the second part of that. You probably know where I'm going. Why isn't there more talk about Tyler Steen? Yeah, it's a fair question. He's kind of got, you know, put back in that shuffle of those, those big name tackles. Um, he was a one-year guy at Alabama. He was a Vanderbilt transfer. So he's not like he's been a four-year starter at the school. That's, you know, become that household name. The guys have watched every Saturday on CBS for the big Alabama SEC games. Um, he's a guy that, you know, might get kicked inside the guard, but I thought I, I talked about, uh, talked about him at the senior bowl. I thought he had a really good week there with his anchor uh, and pass protection, just a really strong stout guy. You know, Jonathan has kind of said similar. So, um, it's a little bit of a question of where do you want to play this guy? If he's a guard, is he going to be as attractive to the Steelers for what they need? But I'm just, you know, watching him in, in, in mobile. I thought he had a, a really good week. I think, uh, one of the concerns with him might be the arm size, right? Right. That's where we're getting some guard work for him. I think he's, I think he's he sub 33 inch arms. We have an arm length officially, uh, 32 and three quarters is what I'm showing here. Yeah, so that's where you're getting some of the, the talk about moving him inside to, to guard. Uh, slightly half inch longer than Skaronsky. Where does he measure up uh, against, let's say, the Georgia kid? 30, yeah. See, his arms are, are going to be the issue. Uh, probably not going to be a far. Could he? I guess where I'm going with this. I still view, I, you know, I wasn't at the senior ball, but I've, I've watched the, the all 22 uh, uh, practice tape and all. I thought he represented himself well uh, at, at tackle. Yeah. I guess that competition. Right. I mean, I th- thought he had a good week in terms of where he goes. I think somebody said he's kind of an, a sleeper day two top 50 guy. That might be a little strong, but he's going to be you know probably a top 75, no worse than the top 100 pick. You think 32 is out of the question for him? Yeah, that seems high. And again, for Pittsburgh, if they view him as a guard, you can't take a guard at 32. I think at this point, when you sign Herbig, you sign Sayamalo, I, I just, I think you got to look at that true tackle. And I like Steen. I, I don't, but I mean, they sent Myers. So obviously they, that's, they right. that's, there. that's yeah. why I'm, I'm, I'm going, that's why I took us back to Alabama. Can I, can I give you just one crazy curveball here? You know who else okay. is working out there? DJ yes. Fluker. Yes, DJ I saw that. Was there. Yeah, and he looked good, and he wants to make a comeback. And do they send a Pat Meyer that says, hey, let's check out this veteran tackle because we might need a veteran tackle right now. So it's maybe the prospects, and let's go check out DJ Fluker. And they're not afraid of reclamation uh, pedigree, guys. Yeah, especially if they get size. Yeah. And we, I, talk, we talked what, about them needing bodies in that. In And it, look, if you went out and signed that guy on the cheap right now uh, to add to that room, uh, it still obviously wouldn't prevent you from addressing the position in a draft. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And Fluker coming out, this was a decade ago, but he was just under six five. Uh, his weight was three thirty nine. Obviously, his body type has kind of changed over the years, but uh, according to to draft scout, his arm length thirty six inches. And so, you want the big long guys? You know, DJ Fluker offers that. Uh and once again, we don't know. I mean. Meyer was there and he was him and Chris Morgan <laughs> They've were, been together all year. Him and Chris Morgan were side by side. I, I this thought r- rolled through my head when you have a, like two or three offensive line coaches out there kind of muddling around those those drills at a pro day. 
I wonder how irked they get with each other with, I don't want them to run that drill. I want to run another drill <laughs> I or, if, they do. or if one's trying to coach them up this way, the other one doesn't like, you know, spe- you know what I'm saying? I wonder yeah. how much under the breath, uh, you know, kind of, uh, 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 kibitz and there might be. And Meyer, I think had the short straw because he wasn't really leading those guys through the right. drills. He was kind of watching yesterday, but he was right on top of them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, I think, I mean, I know Steen and, and there's the other, uh, uh, how do you say, Eckier Jr. Uh, is there, but DJ Fluker might be the guy they really wanted to go check out. I would have I would have greater comfort. Uh, and look, you know, we only saw what 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 uh, ESPN and SEC Network showed us. But to read everything and, and to see what we saw, it looked like he did have a good day. Yeah, I wonder how many teams uh, – in other words, I, I would think if you're going to sign that guy, it's going to happen in the next couple of days. Some, someone, right? Yeah, potentially. I don't know. You know, if Fluker wants to take his time and kind of see, you know, where he wants out. to go. Yeah, and, and does he want to stay closer to home? He's from the South. Does he want to go to Pittsburgh? I have no idea. Guy wants to go to anyone who wants to sign him, but uh, he may take some time, and, and teams may take some time. I don't know, but just something else to consider there. Usually, we're talking prospects, but occasionally, you know, you had Cam Newton at Auburn's pro day. You get Fluker there at Alabama. Just something else to think about. Okay. Uh, I just, because I, late last night, I went back through some Tyler Steen tape and all, and because Pat Meyer was there and, you know, Jim Nagy, obviously senior bowl director is going to talk his guys up and all. And, you know, he's saying that, that, that Steen's a guy that's overlooked, you know, in this tackle class. Is, do you see Steen staying at tackle or do you view? I do initially. I, I do initially. I do. Okay. Okay. Uh, is that just because the the length isn't going to dissuade you? Uh, not, not yet. No, but, okay. uh, I mean, obviously there was, was a little bit of concern, uh, that enough that they wanted to see him at guard at the senior ball. Right. How much, how much didn't he play in a game at, at guard too? I don't remember to be honest. He probably did. He was working guard pretty extensively throughout the week. Um, I, I mean, guess that's length, my next question is how yeah. much, how much did he work at guard at, at the senior bowl? I'd have to look, uh, his length is borderline. I mean, he's a quarter inch away from that 33 kind of benchmark you look for. It's not to say that he can't. And again, length can be a little overstated. You want to have good technique and have all the length in the world. If you have bad hand use and a bad punch, it doesn't matter what your arm length is. So I don't want to be beholden to it, but that's why you're seeing him get projected at guard. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, Alabama pro day. So yeah, it was con. Uh, Tomlin, Dan Rooney Jr., Pat Meyer, Mark Sadowski, and Grady Brown. And so with Grady and Brown. Kreidler. Oh, Kreidler was there. I don't have him listed. Okay, thank you for that. Um, you're right about that. So that that's, again, it's Alabama. It's the biggest pro day on the whole calendar, but it's a lot of people to send to, to one place. Okay. Uh, what else do we have here in terms of pro days yesterday? Let's talk about Wisconsin. Mentioned that earlier, and uh, kudos to you for finding one Aaron Curry at the Wisconsin Pro Day. Yeah, that was quite, you know, you get those moments where you get those Easter eggs there, probably like you felt the other day when you found uh, 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 Cheedy, and <laughs> uh, then I was able to locate Cheedy just up the road, I think the same day, right? Uh, wh- which one was that? Uh, uh, that was Stanford. Stanford uh, as well, too. I had the better screenshot, too. I had a very clean uh, yeah, shot. you had it. You played on easy mode over there. Yeah, right, right uh, in frame like that. Uh, but uh, uh, let's go back to Wisconsin now. And 
initially you had found uh, who there? Sheldon White. Okay. And then we found Aaron Curry there. And there's really only the, 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 the two biggest names there at that Wisconsin Pro Day. Both are on the defensive side of the ball in uh, Keanu Benton and uh, Nick Herbig. And Herbig obviously played edge, uh, had fantastic uh, production there last season. Uh, but here's the here's my theory. I, where's my tinfoil hat at here? Uh, and it's really not so much a, th- a theory because uh, Herbig did talk uh, after the pro day uh, as well, too, according to Badger Extra. Uh, this is evidently a look. He's 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 undersized. He's an undersized edge coming out. And in fact, let's pull. Let's give the people the exact numbers here. Uh, with Herbig, he, he worked with our, with the linebacker groups. Although sometimes they kind of have some edges, probably working with a linebacker group that don't need you know, and vice versa there. But uh, at the at 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 the combine, Nick Herbig was six zero two one. 240 pounds uh, with 31 and a quarter inch arms and nine and a quarter inch uh, hands. His workout, uh, he, he only did the 40. Uh, I think that's all he did at the uh, combine. He did the rest of the drills, or, or at least from what I can find at his pro day here. Uh, he is a lot of people have. Oh, also, I, I didn't know this. You remember Bobby April, special team. He's still in the NFL mm-hmm. special teams coordinator. You know, his son coaches, I think, the outside linebackers there at Wisconsin. No, another, I did not an, know that. Another Bobby April uh, there. And that that is Bobby April Sr.'s son uh, there. And obviously, the uh, the the head coach there is uh, uh, Jim Leonard. Uh, but evidently, Nick Herbert uh, has been getting a lot of people in fact his own coach is telling him he's going to have to move to off the ball at Mm -hmm. the nfl level here and herbig spoke about that after his pro day and is really embracing it uh as well too he says see if i can find a quote here uh i'm honest honestly excited about it uh i've played outside linebacker almost my whole career so just learning something new diving into something new getting a fresh start it's exciting to me i get to try something out and attack it with everything i've got uh so it seems like uh, he says i've i've kind of made my peace with that a long time ago talking about position switch i'm ready for whatever comes next and i know i'm going to go at it uh with 100% of uh, my effort there so it seems almost destined that at least most of the teams are going to see him as a uh, transitional guy at the NFL level, which could obviously take some time uh, within that. And unless a team, in my opinion, unless a team just thinks that this guy can be an edge at the NFL level, he's he's going to be a day a later day three guy. I think. Yeah, I think a- all that. A, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. He's going to have to convert off ball. He doesn't have the length and probably the overall frame to play on the edge, especially in Pittsburgh, but also for a 4-3 defense. Certainly will not be doing that. But there's versatility there. You could do some creative third down sure. rush stuff with him. So obviously he can you can you know lean on some of the experience he has, you know, playing uh, on the line, playing as an edge player. 
Um, and of course, the connection here is he's the younger brother of Nate Herbig, just signed by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so uh, even in that press conference that Nate had, he went to bed and said, I've been saying, go draft my brother, go bring this guy in. And so um, I know you were watching some tape. I've kind of casually watched some tape. I was watching Nebraska last night against Wisconsin. So I was watching Herbig just sort of casually, pretty intense guy, pretty physical guy, kind of has that Steelers vibe to it there. So, um, you know, and, and then Curry being there, obviously to watch Herbig, the, the connections become pretty obvious. I agree. And that's kind of where I'm going with this. I kind of wonder if this guy could be, you know, and we'll see if they make any moves during the draft and pick up any, in, in, any other picks. But uh, I, I've got myself thinking now this could be a sixth or seventh round guy for the Steelers. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly where to slot him. Again, you're kind of in that awkward spot where his fourth too high and will he make it to the seventh just based on the picks that Pittsburgh currently has. But there's interest there. There's the connections there. And Pittsburgh loves the the brother tandems and they love the Wisconsin linebackers. So it seems like, you know, what isn't there to to like with, with Nick, Nick Herbig? And I think if you run his numbers in the math bomb uh, RAS generator as a linebacker, they come out pretty damn good. What did he do? What were his times and testing at his pro day? Do you know the numbers of what he did? At uh, Wisconsin? They don't have, uh, they say Herbig participated in the pro agility drill time, not recorded by UW obviously. So we're going to have to wait for that to leak out, but the broad jump was nine feet, six inches. The vertical was 34. All right. So average numbers, nothing special, but nothing important. Okay, I think it enough. came out to something like an eight point something RAS. Really? With, well, what, he, we, he with ran, what we have. He ran pretty well. He had a really good 10 split of like one six zero. it looks like. So that, that's a really good first step number for him. Right. And did 25 reps on the bench, you know, all, all the things that you plug into that thing. It will be interesting to see uh, if the, what his agility, what those, you know, what was the three cone? What was the short shuttle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are always big for, again, he's going to be more of an off-ball guy. But when he does rush the passer, uh, those agility numbers really are pretty telling when it comes to NFL success. And can you bend and turn the corner? All right. While we are talking, uh, we, we both agree for, uh, and, and it's not hard to connect the dots here on several levels right now. Right. Uh, and especially if this guy slides to the back end of day three, this, yeah, th- but- this guy could be a Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah. Just in the way that Connor Hayward was like pretty e- e- easy to see coming to Pittsburgh last year, you can kind of say similar about Nick Herbig. And I did not, haven't gone back yet to look uh, his early days, but I would imagine he would, he would, be an asset on st- special teams. Yeah. If he's anything like uh, his brother, which is kind of that can do attitude, I think he'd embrace that. No problem. All right. Now let's stay on the linebacker position here for a moment. What well, uh, this team so far has signed uh, Holcomb to a three year deal. And you would envision him being your, your, your three down guy for at least the next, you would, you would, you would think and hope, the next two seasons, right? That's the goal. Yes. Uh, uh, of the three and, and hopefully even longer than that and does a good job and finally gets you over the hump of, we finally found us a three, three, three down guy via free agency. Correct. Hopefully it better be. Otherwise, man, you know, you keep striking out like this. It's been frustrating. So Holcomb, you know, at the, at the least for 23, he's going to be the three down guy. All right. With that, with that move alone, and because a Landon Roberts for what he is, you it still doesn't prevent you f- 
from doing something at that position based on contract or what he does. It's just, it's kind of an added bonus with, with him in the room. Correct. Yeah. It's almost the miles Jack replacement of getting another veteran guy in there to round out that room. Again, I see Roberts and Mark Robinson as very similar body types, very similar skill sets. So they're kind of wearing the same hat to me. All right. I, I guess where I'm going with this is how, you know, uh, what does this do, you know, to, to the potential of this team drafting an inside linebacker in the, with, with at least the first two picks, really even maybe the first three picks? Yeah, it's a fair question. I've kind of wrestled with this one. You know, Be- I've had the, go ahead. Because if, if, if you go out and get, you know, Jack, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Jack Campbell from Iowa. Yeah, Jack Campbell yeah. from Iowa, uh, who is perceived as 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 going to easily transition into a three down linebacker at the NFL level. What what do you do with him if you're Pittsburgh and that's that's your one of your first, let's say, two picks? He's probably playing right away. And I had that conversation of okay, if you draft an inside linebacker high, it feels like that guy's not sitting. So is Roberts gonna sit? Is Robinson kind of taking a backseat role? And so yeah, my thought is maybe they don't take one super early. They focus on D line, they focus on corner, offensive tackle, and they go with a Dorian Williams in the third or fourth round, or Nick Herbig in maybe the fourth round, potentially a you know, trade back scenario, something like that. That's kind of where I'm leaning right now, but obviously I think this thing could go either way. Okay, so in other words, you think Jack Campbell still could be in play? Yeah, I can't. I can't rule that out. I think it'd be with him, especially being at that Iowa Pro Day. I can't rule that out. Um, I think it'd be pretty foolish to say that there's no chance or very little chance that he's going to be a possibility. Okay, uh, is that I, where you're at? I, I'm. I'm a little less. I mean, I haven't ruled him out, but uh, I'm. It causes me to think, think three times about putting him in. You know, in, in a mock draft. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, we've seen Curry so far with maybe some of the more later-ish round guys with Williams from Tulane and now Herbig, and we'll see where else he goes. So maybe that's a clue that they're going to sit on inside linebacker. Again, that's kind of where I'm leaning. I just, if the board breaks a certain way or whatever the case is, I just don't want to rule that stuff out. Okay. Uh, We have not, uh, we have not uh, found, we did not find Carl Dunbar at at Wisconsin. What does that mean? Yeah, to my knowledge, he wasn't there. I was watching Benton go through the D-line drills, and I didn't see him there. Uh, I don't know if it means a lot negatively, though, considering, again, remember that at the Combine, Carl Dunbar put these guys through a lot of the drills. And so I think you don't have to necessarily do that again. You may have already gotten all that you need to get get out of Keanu Benton. So obviously, had Dunbar been there, it it ratchets it up the the intensity on, on the Benton train some more, but him not being there... I'm not going to say that's a uh, deciding definitive factor for why they would not take Keanu Benton. Okay. Uh, I think those were some of the hot, hot topics that I wanted to get to. What else uh, has, has come out on the pro day circuit? Uh, Let's see. I should note and a Twitter user alerted me to this kind of an interesting connection there. Uh, Chidi Iwoma, as we just mentioned, was at that San Jose State Pro Day the other day and their top guy and on the pronunciation, I'm going to butcher here a little bit as a D-line edge guy, Valami Pahoko, we'll say a really productive guy. Interesting note there. And again, there was a Twitter user that that tipped me off to this. So thank him for the information. San Jose State's defensive line coach is Isaac Sayamalu's father. And so I thought that was kind of cool there. Um, just when it comes to a guy like uh, Fahoko, who's kind of a sleeper that was really, you know, highly productive. 
And wasn't that player, because uh, Sayamalo talked on Sirius last night, and he mentioned there was something along the lines that what that play you just mentioned was uh, all conference or something like that. I believe so. With his production, I imagine he had to have been. I haven't gone down that rabbit hole yet, but you can bet that it's going to be on my list uh, uh, there. But uh, interesting connection for sure. Yeah, 47 career tackles for loss, 23 sacks, five forced fumbles, 12 pass deflections. So he's got size listed. Is he a combine guy? I don't know if he was a combine guy. Let's see. Oh, he was. He was. He was listed at 6'4", 276. So it seems like he added some weight. Uh, maybe to get bigger and so maybe a little awkward fit there for Pittsburgh on the edge, but he could drop. So just want to make that note. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it was definitely. Cause we are, you know, we always try to connect the dots. Yeah. And then everything else has been mostly area scouts. I'm just trying to scroll through the list here. Uh, anything else of, of real significant note? Um, no, really wouldn't see anything else that that's super noteworthy. Okay, and we'll try to circle back through some of this uh, because sometimes footage will surface a little bit later, you know, several days later, and you find people after the fact there. But I, I think we should go back to the Georgia uh, pro pro day and and watch it all. See see, make for sure we're not missing uh, anybody there. Okay, and thank you for being the one to start us finding Mark Gorsuch at Illinois. And that's one of those you have to go back to, you know, a week later, somebody posts a random video. And so we now know who was there. It makes sense because Gorsuch's kind of the mid-Atlantic scout now, but Mark Gorsuch was the mystery man at Illinois. Okay, and then once again, we will learn a little bit more here over the course of this final week of the Pro Day circuit, especially today with Penn State, uh, because we expect, uh, a lot of the Steelers people to be there today for obvious for several obvi- obvious reasons. Yep, that pro day just about ready to get underway up in State College. All right, Dave, let's play your favorite game: the Steeler Steeler salary cap update and the Isaac Samalu contract update. Uh, real quick, how how much did you nerd out over the uh, the uh, this the Steelers? What would they call that series that they released last? The night? standard. The standard, right? Yeah, big time nerd. I was going through. Yeah, we get the year from Mark Sadowski. I was probably that was a great story. That was a great back. I'm glad they provided the full background. Let him let him speak quite a bit on that. I really learned a lot about him uh, uh, from that. Yeah, there was a story in the Athletic a couple of years ago whenever Sadowski was in Chicago because Omar was in New Orleans whenever Sadowski got hired by New Orleans, and it was Omar that helped get him in the door, kind of get him his first NFL job. And so those guys have a a pretty long connection and friendship there. That's why whenever Omar Khan got promoted to GM, I said, they're going to go hire Mark Sadowski. And lo and behold, uh, they did. And so there's a big connection there with, with coach buddy Tevens, who we wish well, he was in a recent motorcycle accident He's, uh, in the hospital, I think right now. So wishing buddy Tevens well, but yeah, that all goes back to those days in, in Tulane in the nineties. Yep. Uh, but it, that was, that was quite a sequence there. I, yeah. I and, and should that. just note really quickly, although we've kind of already suspected this, uh, that, that episode of the standard confirmed that Merrill Hodge and Ike Taylor have been hired as official scouts and in some capacity seems to be focusing a bit more on positions and Ike Taylor with the corners, Merrill Hodge with the running back. So Hodge said he's watched and I think graded 150 some players. So, um, just want to note that there was actually a lot of interest. I was surprised by the, the feedback from Steelers Nation about the excitement about hearing Hodge and Taylor officially uh, named scouts. Okay, good deal. 
All right, Dave, contract time. Say, Malu got the numbers in on that. And so uh, hit us with those in the overall state of the Steelers salary cap. Yeah, the uh, the Sayamalo numbers hit the NFLPA this morning, and his 2023 cap charge came in slightly higher than I anticipated. It is 3.61666 versus the estimated 3.443333. It ended up not being a true $8 million uh across the board by year split with him instead it looks like it came in at 8.25 million for 2023 16.125 through 2024 and 24 million obviously through the uh the life of the deal so uh he got 250,000 more in uh, the first year and 125,000 more through the second year than what I originally speculated the contract to be. And that's why, uh, I had his 2023 cap number, 173,333 off in my speculation. I would like to apologize for that. Mm. Uh, Will you can you find it in your heart to forgive me as we go into the weekend here? Well, it's going to take a lot of healing, but I think I can can get past there. All right. And the Jane, James Pierre number, I told you it would probably come in between one point oh one million and one point five million. It came in right in the middle at one point three million. Uh, maybe that will help in the forgiveness. Uh <laughs> <laughs> The first step. It's a good first step. Uh, yeah, the first step of, of of healing here is 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 <laughs> is uh gaining back that trust. Uh I now have the Steelers at ten million six hundred and fifty one thousand no, I have the Steelers roughly ten million six hundred and fifty one thousand eight hundred and nineteen under the cap. Roughly. R- roughly. Yeah. <laughs> approximate number. Uh, uh yeah, approximately. Uh, based on everything that that we know right now, they entered the new league year, uh, according to my estimation, 10.409318 under the cap. They obviously have since cut Miles Jack, restructured the contract of Minka Fitzpatrick and added eight contracts uh, to that since the start of free agency. So they're almost really right back to where they started from. Uh, post uh, cutting of, of 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 William Jackson III, uh, with with you know with the days right in other words right before uh, the start of free agency there so really nothing earth shattering there if you want to look at you know kind of looking at expenses forthcoming and uh, factoring in a TJ Watt uh, 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 restructure at some point. I have them sitting right now at projected effective usable salary cap space based off of rookie pool into 51 practice squad injured reserve uh, in, 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 you know, in season injury replacement fund, all that kind of, uh, stuff at 2.065 million in, in what I would call projected effective usable salary cap space. Now you got some things to potentially play with there. You know, we talked about 
you know, Kevin Dotson, what's, what's going to happen there? Uh, could, you know, could, could him not being on the roster essentially cover a, a, a increase of a 2023 cap number in Alex Highsmith after a deal? I, you know, I think that's potentially in the cards here. What's going to happen with a Keller Witherspoon, you know, from here on out, we, we just don't know. Uh, right now, but obviously that would give you four million minus displacement cost uh, to kind of play with here. So, long story short, when you're looking at the Steelers' cap situation right now, they they've got some room to play with here. You know, they obviously can still re-sign a lot of their lower level, unrestricted guys to veteran to to uh, contracts similar to what James Pierre got or 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 lower there. They could still go out there and do something with 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 a Bud Dupree if they wanted to. They could do something potentially with a Taylor Rapp if they wanted to. Uh, not knowing potentially what might fall later on in the offseason with some of these guys like Dotson and some of these guys like Witherspoon, you know, make, makes it kind of hard to guess. But I mean, just working off of a, a $2 million projected of effective salary cap space uh, at this time even gives them room to work with. So uh, we'll just have to let the dominoes kind of play out here at this point here. But uh, uh, they've, they've got room to work with here. How much cap space did James Pierce contract uh, eat up? I know it's a very small number, but what's what's the number on that? Yeah, what did I have on that? Like 700-something thousand? You know, so, okay. so, so not, not much at all. Let me pull that back up there. That post specifically. Uh, yeah. Just to illustrate the point that it's not yeah. 1.3 cap hit because there's you have the displacement one displacement. On. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just to, to, to illustrate that as a very kind of clean cut example. So you said yeah. 700,000. Uh, nearly 700,000 now. Thanks to the several sites. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So basically, half of that, you know, actually counts against them in terms of that that salary cap figure right now. Um, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, no. I, I was I was going off the the wrong number there. Effectively, used four hundred thirty thousand. Uh, that's right, because it was eight hundred okay. something. So uh, four hundred thirty thousand was the displacement. That's 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 what you used to effectively resign James Pierre. Okay, so even better. Again, a third basically is counting uh, against you in terms of, of the movement on the on the cap number overall. Uh, quick interruption. I apologize for that, but according to ESPN's Brooke Pryor, speaking of the Penn State Pro Day, uh, Pryor is saying that Steelers assistant GM Andy Weidel is there. Also joining him is Terrell Austin, Grady Brown, and Alfredo Roberts, the tight ends coach. And so it does not appear to be Tomlin or Khan, at least not right now. What does that mean for Joey Porter Jr.? Very interesting question, but... Uh, Grady Brown for those DBs, including Porter, Brenton Strange, the tight end. So Robert's being there for that. And hey, Andy Weidel is allowed to leave Pittsburgh for once. So that's that's good for him. Not not too far of a drive for him, right? Yeah, I, I was I was going to ask you. I mean, is Andy Weidel not allowed to be on these pro day dinners? Is he got to be at home base and take care of things in Pittsburgh, I guess? I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, you know, might be just overkill, you know. I guess, but I don't know. You kind of want to get your, your guy who's been scouting forever on the trail a little bit. Seems like maybe something worthwhile, but I guess maybe they're splitting up duties and he's handling some of the minutia and for agency type stuff. I don't I don't quite know, but Andy Weidel apparently at Penn State. 
Where else would uh, Tomlin be? Notre Dame today, if he's not at Penn State, and obviously by the time this get out there, they might spot Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan at at, at Penn State. But uh, uh, the 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 notable pro days today, at least from my research, are Penn State, Notre Dame, Kentucky, uh, Missouri, Boston College, BYU, and don't discount Old Dominion, although with it sounding like Alfredo Roberts is at uh, uh, Penn State today. How close is Old Dominion? Does the Old Dominion, I guess the question is, is nah, they're too it, far apart. Okay. All right. I think I'm not sure where Old Dominion is exactly at, but I don't think it's near Penn State. Uh, I don't think. Let's now you're making me search here. It's in Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah, that's that's gonna be too far from Penn State. Okay, Flower Drive. Uh, I, I don't know where Tomlin could be at. How about Boston College with uh, Zay Flowers and of course Dino Tomlin being at Boston College? Could Tomlin go take a trip up to see his son? I suppose that's possible. And the reason I bring up Old Dominion is because uh, uh, Koontz. that Koontz. Yeah, uh, the tight end there, the brother of uh, the long snapper there, who's a massive human being that's uh, going to be on the radars of several several teams. I, I actually, I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I don't believe they're actually related to Christian Koontz and Zach Koontz. Although it's very weird because their moms have the same name. Oh, I, I thought I read. Zach, so I, I read, thought I read somewhere where they were related. Yeah, I, I, I think I've seen that a couple places, but okay. uh, I'm pretty sure they're not. It's weird though because Zach Koontz has a brother named Christian, and they're both their moms' names are like Kathy. But I don't believe they are related because I think they grew up in different places, and I don't see anything in Christian's bio that says that. But uh, okay, I'm not 100 percent sure. I might be wrong. I, you know, you know, sometimes you can't trust everything you read on Twitter. So right, right. Um, but there's also the guard there too, Nick uh, Salaverdi, something to that effect. He's a uh, I talked to him at the Senior Bowl. So there, there's Koontz okay. and also that guard to check. And obviously Tomlin won't, won't be at Old Dominion, but we'll see uh, who is there. Okay, and we'll wait to see if Tomlin and Omar Khan show up at uh, Penn State. All right. Good deal. Uh, anything else on the contract? I didn't mean to cut you off there in terms of the, the cap situation, the Pittsburgh. No, no, no. I think we, 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 we got the, the only thing that I think now that we're waiting to actually hit the uh, public salary cap report on the NFL PA side is DeMonte Casey. Cause I don't even think the team has even officially announced that yet. Yeah. That's weird. That's uh, they haven't. It's been days since that was reported. Maybe he needs to get there and take a physical. I guess, but hopefully everything's okay there. Uh, one other quick note, uh, J.C. Hostenauer visited with the Giants, uh, has not signed to our knowledge at least, but uh, he's taken a trip, and so he's testing the waters since Pittsburgh uh, decided not to tender him. Okay, all right. I think we've got through all the minutiae here. I think so. So let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. All right, we'll start with, uh, let's see, Jonathan Mason, Alex and Dave. Alex, I like to nerd out behind the scenes stuff when it comes to front office coaching inner workings, just like you. He says, after watching the last standard episode, it seems like Mark Sadowski was a great new addition to the staff, along with the more notable ones like Weidel. He says, my question is, how will you gauge any sort of difference in scouting drafting philosophy? Is it post draft? Since at this point, it would be almost a year since these additions were made. I'm sure they, the uh, overall organizational philosophy reigns supreme, but just interested in your thoughts. Y'all are the best to follow and listen to this time of year. Great work as always, Jonathan. 
So what was the question again in terms of philosophy? I guess he says after, you know, the ads and the Sadowski and how will my, he says, my question is how will you gauge any sort of difference in scouting slash drafting philosophy? Yeah. It's, we're just kind of, is, is it post draft since at that point, it, you know, and, and basically, yeah, I mean, we're, 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 we're just, we're marking this down and, and, tracking the pro days and all like that stuff as we go here. And, you know, you obviously have to wait until the picks are made. So, you know, we, we won't have a firmer grasp on this, especially with the, what they look for, which you got to be pretty damn close to getting that together. Aren't you post pro days? Hint, I'm going to wait for all the pro days to finish up. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, next month they're coming, but I got to wait for, I got to wait for all the pro days to come in because okay. some numbers might come in that might change things. All right. Uh, but I mean, I, you know, how would you answer this question there? Yeah, it's going to be some of the, the the post-draft type things. You know, we won't know until we know in terms of the guys they actually take. So, you know, we'll judge things based off of the, the rules we've had before in terms of the Tom Lincoln uh, slash GM pro day visits and positional coaches and power five and all that kind of stuff. So it's really hard to answer that right now. Um, we're just going to have to kind of evaluate things after uh, the draft picks are, are officially in. Uh, by the way, Josh Carney made a really good point in the DMs. Uh, that the competition committee is meeting today. They're doing all their voting. And so I bet you Tomlin is actually probably there because he's on the competition committee. And so that's probably why he's not at Penn State. Omar Khan, I'm not not quite sure where he may be, but uh, I'm betting Josh is probably right. Okay. Uh, that's a good point. Let's see. Lenny Barsikowski writes in, Dave and Alex, guys, just wanted to reach out a couple of things. First, Alex, I really thought you hit the nail on your head with your last mock. I really see things possibly falling that way. Uh, It would be hard to turn down that big tackle if he's on board at 17. Also, Dave, are you going to be able to sleep on Thursday night knowing that we had the first pick in the second round? What an exciting evening it's going to be for all Steeler fans. I hope I'm not alone in this last feeling, but uh, can Ben just stop with the podcast? He says, I'm so tired of hearing hearing from him. I wish he would just go golfing somewhere. He says, love the shows, never miss a podcast, Lenny. Look, I, I, I get how some people had that reaction about Ben, but I will, but I, I will say this once again. I, I think so far, um, uh, minus all the food tasting and beer tasting. I, you know, Ben's going to be Ben. There's still going to be, I got a splinter and it almost, uh, it almost kept me from, from play. That, that's just what, that's who mm-hmm. Ben is. Uh, you just, you, 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 you listen to it, you write about it, you chuckle at it. You, 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 you talk about it a little bit, then you move on. Uh, I overall, I, I think he's done a great job with that podcast. Uh, uh, overall. So, uh, once again, I, I, you know, I just wish it was shorter from the fact, probably the way people think that we wish our show was shorter at times, you know, but uh, I think he does a good job on that. As far as the sleeping after the first night of the draft and all, I mean, look, we, we're up late anyway, because we're, 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 you know, going through the pick that was made and we're cobbling together, potential candidates for the next pick and all like that. So nothing, nothing uh, Lenny's really going to change on that front. And uh, uh, Alex appreciates the comment. I'm sure about his last month. Yeah. Thank you for that. I do appreciate that. Um, I was just going to ask you, I guess we should maybe mention the Ben comments about the 49ers reaching out. Do you have any reaction to that revelation? Uh, not, uh, you know, if, if it happened the way that, that he says that it happened, I'm, I'm not overly surprised. I mean, you know, I, I just think just going through a Rolodex, why wouldn't you just, 
Uh, you interested in uh, in playing? You know, uh, I I just think it's due process. I have a question in the Friday Five today that will drop later uh, Friday on on Steelers Depot. The question is, would it have personally bothered you if Ben had gone to San Francisco and played for the 49ers? So I'll ask the question to you: Would you have been in any way bothered by seeing Ben go to San Francisco? Absolutely. Okay. Any is that just for the whole? You know, Self, the selfishness, yeah. The, the Franco Harris in a Seattle Seahawks uniform kind of thing. Yeah, the fan, the the uh, uh, the twelve year old fanboy in me, the, or wh- however old I was in what was it eighty when Franco? What what year was it for for, for Franco in, in a Seahawks? But uh, yeah, uh, uh, I'll let my fanboy side okay. out. Uh, yeah, I, I would have that would have upset me. It would have been I, weird. I don't know. I would have got. Thought. I would have got over it. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, I wouldn't have stopped eating or anything like that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it would it would have been troubling to whatever degree. Sure. How about it would you? Have been, it would it would have been very weird. I think it would have just been strange to see that. And obviously, you know, how good would he have looked off the couch after kind of you know very much towards the end of his career in in twenty one. So I don't know how much it would have bothered me, but I just think it would have been like Twilight Zone, bizarre world to to envision that. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where else shall we go here? Ian Carmen writes in, Hey guys, I have a feeling about something. He says, it seems like we have more players out the door than in so far. Where's the roster now compared to this point free agency under Kevin Colbert. Typically he says, does it seem like they are gearing up to make a lot of picks, uh, uh, via the draft, via trade downs. I haven't sat here and compared to where they're at you know, week and a half in, uh, versus, you know, previous years, but Ian, I mean, it, it's a good observation. The thought, the, the, the thought, the thought has crossed my mind that, that the roster maybe feels a little a couple of players light overall, maybe. And that's just, uh, uh, an instant reaction because I do track this, you know, all the time. And currently there are, 64 players under contract if you count Casey, you know, and uh, uh, obviously they have, if you add 17 to that by 17, meaning seven draft picks, 10 undrafted free agents, that would put them at what, 81. And you have an off off season roster of what, 90 still, right? That's still the number, I think. Right, it is. So, yeah, it feels a little bit light. feels like there gonna... are normally more futures of some sort maybe in, in, in the door, but may, maybe, the, maybe the, the USFL has something to do with this. Yeah, they'll probably sign some guys from there. And again, some of their undrafted classes, I've seen them go up to 15, 16 before. So you add in an extra five. Now you're at, what, 80, 85 or so. You get a couple of resigns back. You know, obviously, they're going to get to 90. So, you know, that, that's okay. Okay. Uh, but you know, I haven't sat there and tracked it, Ian. But I mean, I loosely, it's a good observation on your part, and 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 the thought has kind of crossed my mind it, it, that it does feel maybe four or five players light. But I, I kind of chalk that up more to the the futures guys or, or or guys from these other leagues or whatnot. There. Uh, let's see let me else. let me ask you just a really quick random arbitrary question. Uh, whose first signing will be the better signing? Kevin Colbert's first ever free agent signing was Kimo von Olhoffen. Now Omar Khan's was Patrick Peterson, which will be the better signing of the two. 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Omar the benefit of the doubt here. I'll I'll go with uh, Patrick Peterson. Okay. Uh, I'll go I'll go Kimo von Olaf. He was pretty good okay. good role player in Pittsburgh. For, unfortunately, remembered obviously for the the Carson Palmer hit, but he, he had a couple good years in Pittsburgh. All right. Uh, let's see. Chuck Griffith writes in. Was the Steelers interest in Orlando Brown Jr. an attempt to keep him from going to Cincinnati and being an upgrade over Jonah Williams? No, I would say no. I mean, I, I and look, we don't know what level it'll be. It might be 10 years from now before we know uh, indeed what if indeed that that was this just more of a phone call of doing the due diligence uh, more than anything at, at, at no, no uh portion of this chuck that i think oh they just did this to keep him from going to cincinnati i really think that's overblown the aspect of well they drafted this guy or they looked into this guy to keep him from going to another team they're going to look at anybody they think they can help their own roster regardless of who they think may or may not have interest in him from whatever team even within division that's my that's my take on it no i'm with you 100 they're not doing that to try to play the Hollywood squares block, you know, Cincinnati from getting Orlando I'll take Brown. Paul, Paul, Paul Lynn in the center square. For the block. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, they're not, they're not playing those games. So they're, they had interest in Brown because they had interest in Brown. And, and that's the reason. Uh, Muthina writes in, I am concerned about the Steelers approach in recent years, re-signing players they've drafted for the four year draft period from 2015 to 2018. The Steelers will have only two players remaining on the roster from those classes, Watt and Chooks. I know you can't keep them all, but only keeping two of the best eight guys you drafted during that time is particularly low, he says. If the season were to start today, our projected base defense will only have three guys who were drafted. The other eight will be either free agents or players the Steelers traded for. He says the Steelers haven't had any significant contributions from defensive players drafted on day three since Vince Williams. They have to do better. The 2005-2008 defenses had a lot of day three draft picks, he says. I'll keep an open mind and see what the Steelers do moving forward, but it's not trending in the right direction, in my opinion, he says. Look, Matheny, you go back to kind of what we've said you know, uh, dating back to the end of last season and 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 obviously into the uh, early offseason, their their drafting as a whole, I, I think, hasn't been great. Uh, now within that, you know, we don't have comparative numbers here to look at across teams across. Uh, I think in the past when you've had some of these six round guys or something, you know, look, another thing that can't discount, look what they got out of some of these undrafted free agency, Alejandro Villanueva's and, and, and some of the, but I, 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 your general take here, Mathena of, they have to do better, I guess, in the draft. And then specifically when it comes to re-upping some of these guys after their, 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 their first contracts expire, uh, I, I would agree with. Yeah, I think that's a fair critique overall. I mean, some of those guys got re-upped and eventually those guys are going to go. You know, you did re-sign Cam Sutton initially, so at least you re-signed him off his rookie deal. You lost him the second time around, but at least you got the extra couple of years out of him. Yeah, I think they're fair points overall. I, I would just say, you know, let's see how many defensive starters they have after this, this year's draft and who becomes part of the 23 defense is probably going to be a starter or two there given the high draft capital they have. So the numbers may shift some, but... 
yeah, those are, I think, you know, fair and valid critiques. All right. And, uh, I was going to hit real quick, you know, this team did just resign Larry Ogan, Joby too. And kind of going back, it was a, a bullet point I want to hit on earlier, kind of, uh, going off of the, the, uh, the inside linebacker movement and all like that. Uh, how much does the resigning of Larry Ogan, Joby, uh, impact the draft, especially early at defensive line position, if any? I mean, there's an impact in the sense of there's at least some other starter opposite of Cam Hayward. So it gives you some, something known. There's something that you like, but they need depth. They need youth. They need rotational guys. They need a nose tackle. It's still a really big need defensive line overall. So if you didn't have him, then you're, the house is on fire. You're screaming. We got to go. got to get like three of these guys. But um, it's still a need to me, even post Oak Joby signing. All right. Uh, and I need to watch more of Mazzy. Mazzy Smith this weekend, I think. I just wonder how the off the field stuff is it going to change with the gun charge? It's just I don't know. Right, uh, I kind of wonder where he fits in all uh, all this. And who was that Michigan? Uh, who was it? Just Tomlin? it feels like Dunbar should be at more of these. Yeah, I mean, they don't usually positional coaches aren't hitting the trail like super hard. I mean, they're at a couple places per year. Michigan, Tomlin, Con. Dan Colbert and Alfredo Roberts again, the tight ends coach. And where's Dan Colbert been the last couple of days? I do not know. He was last at Clemson, Michigan, the only places we've seen him, but he's no longer an area scout. So his role may have shifted here a bit. Alfredo Roberts on the trail a decent amount. He's already at uh, two places this year at Michigan and Penn State. So this team really going to look to, to draft a tight end? Uh, the, the longer that, uh, Zach Gentry remains unsigned. And even if Zach comes back on a, uh, a, a cheap cuttable deal, I don't think you can, I don't think you can discount it. I think it's trending that way. Last time Alfredo went to Penn state, they had a big bear hug from Pat Frymuth and they drafted him. So Brenton strange, you might be a stealer. Okay. All right. Anything else from the email machine? I think we got it there. Uh, we are what an hour 15 into this. Uh, yeah, give or take hour 20. Good All show. Right. Today. Uh, appreciate everybody's support. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Was my performance above the line today as opposed to the last last show? I was very happy with your performance today. I thought you were, right. beside from the, the cap numbers being off slightly, which I'm still struggling with. Uh, aside from that, I'm very happy. All right. I weighed in and off. Well, yeah, what did you weigh in at? <laughs> no, no uh, under, under 370? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. All right, we're yeah. just checking. Uh, all right. In the meantime, you follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter. Uh, watch us play the game of uh, Where's <laughs> Waldo? It's uh, quite. Uh, it's it's probably only comical to us. And who's who's the other guy on Twitter that gets a kick? There's about two or three uh, other there's guys. There's a couple. There. Mike uh, Mike Adesso is a couple others on there. Yeah, there's a couple of them, I think that 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 are playing the home version as well too, uh, and all like that. But uh, uh, we we have we, it, and it's it's. It's it's not healthy. It's it's a bad. No, it's a it's a horrible, unhealthy, psychotic <laughs> obsession. But you love us for it. Anyway, follow Alex on the Twitter machine at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, go to studiosdepot.com. Hit the donate button upright navigational bar. Also, if you uh, want an ad-free version of the site, uh, studiosdepot.com. Hit the ad-free button upright navigational bar. Follow the directions that way. Uh, barring something weird happening, we'll be back on Monday. And as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.